Good evening, and welcome back to another episode of Brush Up Your Shakespeare, where we make Shakespeare fun and easy, the way it was always meant to be. We are in Hamlet, Act 1, Scene 5. Today's date is February 3rd, 2024, and the line we will be learning from this scene is this. There are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamt of in your philosophy. Say it with me. There are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamt of in your philosophy. And one more time, there are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamt of in your philosophy. Recap. In scene four, which we covered last week, Hamlet has gone to the castle battlements at midnight to see for himself the ghost of his father and to try to get the ghost to talk to him and deliver his message. Hamlet is accompanied by Horatio, his friend, and another guard. The ghost motions Hamlet to follow him, to speak to him privately. Horatio and the guard try to stop Hamlet, but Hamlet insists on going with the ghost to hear his message. And at the end of scene four, Hamlet follows the ghost off stage. Shakespeare has really been ratcheting up the suspense toward this scene, making us really anxious to find out what the ghost is going to tell Hamlet. And believe me, the payoff in scene five, when we do learn what the ghost has to say, is incredible. Scene five opens on another part of the castle battlements, and the ghost enters with Hamlet following. Hamlet wants the ghost to speak now, as Hamlet will not follow him further. Hamlet says, where wilt thou lead me? Speak, I'll go no further. Now, for the first time in the play, the ghost does speak. And boy, does he have a lot to say. The ghost says, mark me, which means pay close attention to what I'm going to say. Hamlet says, I will. Hamlet then later says, speak, I am bound to hear. And the ghost says, so art thou bound to revenge when thou shalt hear. Revenge? Wait a second. What is this about revenge? Why should the ghost be seeking Hamlet to revenge him? Everyone knows Hamlet's father died from being bitten by a poisonous snake as he lay sleeping in his orchard. So what is this about revenge? Hamlet appropriately asks, what? Yes, that's his line, what? The ghost doesn't answer Hamlet directly, but instead identifies himself and goes into a gorgeous speech about how rough it is for him in purgatory. Instead of trying to describe the pains of the damned, which is one way that Shakespeare could have approached this, the ghost says he is not allowed to describe his torments. But if he did describe them, it would scare the bejesus out of Hamlet. The ghost says the knowledge of what he suffers would make Hamlet's blood run cold. That's one thing. Two, it would make his eyes bug out of his head. And three, it would make his hair stand on end all common expressions that we would use to describe that kind of reaction to something really scary. But listen to how beautifully Shakespeare has the ghost put it. And for this, I'm actually going to put it up on the screen. Here's what the ghost says. I am thy father's spirit. That's where he identifies himself. Doomed for a certain term to walk the night and for the day confined to fast in fires. 
till the foul crimes done in my days of nature are burnt and purged away. This is going to be a main theme in this play, is that not only did Hamlet's father get murdered, he did it while he still had his sins upon him. He had not recently gone to church or prayed to get his sins forgiven. And so, because he died with his sins upon him, he has to be in purgatory, suffering these torments until they are burned away, and then he can go on to a better place. Then he goes on with a wonderful line, but that I am forbid to tell the secrets of my prison house, I could a tale unfold whose lightest word would harrow up thy soul, freeze thy young blood, make thy two eyes like stars start from their spheres, thy knotted and combined locks to part, and each particular hair to stand on end like quills upon the fretful porpentine. And that is, of course, an old word for porcupine. And if it gets scared, yes, its quills go up. And that's what the ghost is telling Hamlet his hair would look like if the ghost could actually tell him how horrible it is in purgatory. But then he says, but this eternal blazon, this horrible story, this horrible torment must not be to ears of flesh and blood. And then he says, list, list, oh, list. And each of those lists means listen. So he says, listen three times. And Hamlet is definitely going to listen. Excuse me, I have to get to my correct place here in my outline. Here it is. The ghost tells Hamlet that if he ever loved his father, revenge his foul and most unnatural murder. Hamlet says, murder? And the ghost says, murder most foul, as in the best it is. That's another famous line from Hamlet. Murder most foul, as in the best it is. So now the ghost is telling Hamlet that he was murdered. This is all news to Hamlet. The ghost seems to be testing Hamlet to see how he will respond before dropping the big bombshell. Hamlet says, haste me to know it, tell me quickly, that I with wings as swift as meditation or the thoughts of love may sweep to my revenge. This satisfies the ghost that he can tell the rest of the story to Hamlet. He says, I find the apt, which he proceeds to do. But first, we should note that Hamlet is saying once he knows who murdered his father, he will go right out and kill him to exact revenge. But that is not what Hamlet does. Hamlet does not revenge his father's ghost until the very end of the play, and only then because the situation is sort of forced on him. It is enough at this point to note that Hamlet's words do not match his actions. Hamlet's version of himself is something different than the reality of himself. And who has never encountered such a thing in their own personality? But now for the bombshell. The ghost tells Hamlet the story that is circulated about his being bitten by a snake while asleep in the orchard. Tis given out that sleeping in my orchard, a serpent stung me. So the whole ear of Denmark is by a forged process of my death, a fake story about my death rankly abused. Everyone in Denmark is rankly abused by this false story. 
he goes on, but know thou noble youth, he's talking to Hamlet, the serpent that did sting thy father's life now wears his crown. And Hamlet, being a smart boy, immediately understands. Oh, my prophetic soul, my uncle. Now the ghost gives Hamlet the real scoop on how he died, that the ghost's brother, Claudius, murdered him by pouring poison into his ear while he slept. Sleeping within my orchard, my custom always of the afternoon, upon my secure hour, thy uncle stole with juice of cursed Hebena in a vial, and in the porches of my ears did spread the leprous distillment. The ghost continues, Thus was I sleeping by a brother's hand of life, of crown, of queen, at once dispatched, cut off even in the blossoms of my sin. Once again, he's referring to the sins that he's cut off in the middle of, and he has to burn away in purgatory. So he says that the, his uncle snuck into the garden while he was asleep and poured poison in his ear. This is some kind of poison, let me tell you. The ghost says, oh, horrible, oh, horrible, most horrible. That's another great line. It's easy to memorize too. Oh, horrible, oh, horrible, most horrible. Having gotten Hamlet to promise he will revenge his murder, the ghost cautions Hamlet to not take any sort of revenge on Hamlet's mother. He says, but howsomever thou pursuest this act, and it actually is howsomever, however, Howsomever thou pursues this act of revenge by killing Claudius, taint not thy mind, nor let thy soul contrive against thy mother aught. And aught means anything. Don't contrive anything against her. Leave her to heaven. Leave her to heaven is another famous line from this play. But it is not our line for the day. Do you remember what our line for the day is? There are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamt of in your philosophy. Say it again. There are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamt of in your philosophy. And once more, there are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamt of in your philosophy. Morning grows near. And if you're paying attention, yes, once again, it seems like it was just midnight a few minutes ago. Morning comes quick in Denmark. Morning grows near, and so the ghost must leave. And he speaks these final words to Hamlet. Fare thee well at once. The glowworm shows the matin to be near, and matin is a word that means morning. So the glowworm is showing the morning to be near. The glowworm was thought to glow during the night, and then as morning approached, its glow would pale and be reduced. And that's what the ghost says. The glowworm shows the matin to be near and gins, which is begins, and gins to pale his uneffectual fire. The glow of the worm is uneffectual fire because it can't warm or cook or burn anything. So it can't really do anything. It just sort of glows. And then he says, adieu, adieu, adieu. Remember me. The ghost exits, leaving Hamlet alone for the moment. Hamlet is overwhelmed by the news and vows to remember his father's ghost and the words he spoke. Hamlet says, remember thee. I, thou poor ghost, while memory holds a seat in this distracted globe. Here, globe means head. 
but we can't help thinking of Shakespeare's theater in which this play would have been performed, which was called the Globe Theater. So this may have a double meaning. I, thou poor ghost, while memory holds a seat in this distracted globe. Hamlet's thoughts turn to his mother. He says, oh, most pernicious woman. And then to his uncle, oh, villain, villain, smiling, damned villain. My tables, which is his journal where he writes down things. My tables, meet it is, I set it down, that one may smile and smile and be a villain. At least I'm sure it may be so in Denmark. Another wonderful and rightly famous line. Meet it as I set it down that one may smile and smile and be a villain. Yes, appearances can be deceiving. And indeed, he sees that in his uncle, smiling and smiling and trying to make nice with Hamlet like he was in scene two, remember? Trying to get Hamlet to be his friend, and yet he is a villain. And he knows it may be so, at least in Denmark. Now Horatio and... The guard enter, having apparently been searching for Hamlet and now finding him after the ghost has gone. They want to know what the ghost said, but Hamlet plays them off. Hamlet is never going to tell them in the scene what the ghost said. They know the ghost appears. They know the ghost wanted to talk to Hamlet. They know that Hamlet followed him and something happened between the two, but they don't know what it was that was said and Hamlet will not tell them. Horatio says, good, my Lord, tell it. Hamlet says, no, you will reveal it. Hamlet then gives them a false version of what the ghost told him. Hamlet said, there's ne'er a villain dwelling in all Denmark, but he's an errant knave. And errant is a word meaning complete or absolute. There's ne'er a villain dwelling in all Denmark, but he's an errant knave. Horatio sees through this. It's obvious that Hamlet's making stuff up and he's shining them on and he's not giving them the real story. And Horatio says, there needs no ghost, my lord, come from the grave to tell us this. In other words, what you've said is so obvious. It's a truism. It's a maxism. We don't need a ghost coming from his grave to deliver that message. That is a wonderful line. And it's a wonderful way of saying, duh, in a very Shakespearean way, because that's really what Horatio is saying, right? Duh. He says, there needs no ghost, my lord, come from the grave to tell us this. But it isn't our line for the day, which is, there are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamt of in your philosophy. But Hamlet refuses to, to divulge what the ghost told him. I mean, imagine how explosive this information is, that the ruling king of Denmark got there by murdering his brother. All Hamlet will tell them is that it is an honest ghost, meaning a true ghost. Hamlet says, it is an honest ghost, that let me tell you. For your desire to know what is between us, i.e. what he said to me and what I said to him, or master it as you may. So you deal with it. That's your problem because I'm not going to tell you. Hamlet then has them swear that they will never reveal what they have seen. And the ghost is heard from under the stage. Remember, he's now in purgatory. So this voice is generally put under the stage commanding them to swear. Horatio says, oh, day and night, but this is wondrous strange. Hamlet plays off the word strange and says, and therefore, as a stranger, 
give it welcome. Yeah, this is incredibly strange, but if you met a stranger, you would do your Christian duty of giving the stranger welcome. So do the same thing to this. And then after Hamlet says, and therefore as a stranger, give it welcome, Hamlet says today's line, say it with me. There are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, that are dreamt of in your philosophy. When Hamlet tells this to Horatio, he is likely thinking specifically of what the ghost told him, which he will not reveal to Horatio. In other words, that's what is in heaven and earth that is more than is dreamt of in Horatio's philosophy. But this line has limitless applications. For instance, say you believe in ghosts and you are talking with a person who does not. You can look at them sagely and say, there are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamt of in your philosophy. Or say you believe in UFOs and you're talking to somebody who doesn't. You can say the same thing. There are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, that are dreamt of in your philosophy. The uses for this line are numberless. Of course, it doesn't really make your position any stronger, but it does lay down the law that nobody should think they know everything, that there is nothing they don't know. For no matter what we believe or who we are, there will always be things that are not dreamt of in our philosophy. Hamlet closes by telling his friends that he will put on, excuse me, he will put an antic disposition on, an antic disposition, which means he will act as if he is mad, out of his mind, crazy, and that they are never to give any sign or indication that they know he is merely acting. The madness of Hamlet is an often debated subject. Was he really mad or was he just pretending? Well, Hamlet is going through enough emotional trauma that we couldn't blame him if his choo-choo went around the bend a little. But we have to keep in mind that Hamlet himself does say it will be an act. Hamlet is reeling from the experience. It is surreal to him. And he says a line that perfectly captures the essence of a surreal experience. He says, the time is out of joint. Although Hamlet has agreed to revenge his father's murder, he doesn't seem happy about it. Hamlet says, the time is out of joint. O cursed spite that ever I was born to set it right. So ends scene five, the last scene in act one of Hamlet. Hamlet may not be happy about it, but his father was murdered and he must avenge his father's murder. How to avenge his father's murder is an easy question to kill his killer. Whom he must kill is an easy question. Hamlet's uncle, Claudius, the new king. But how to slay the ruling king of Denmark is not an easy question. In fact, it is a question that Hamlet will wrestle with for the rest of the play. And it is at least in part Hamlet's wrestling with this dilemma that makes the play so great. So, Let's see if we have that line memorized. There are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamt of in your philosophy. Remember, Horatio's name doesn't come at the end of the line, but in the middle. It's a common mistake to say Horatio at the end of the line instead of in the middle where it belongs. There are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamt of in your philosophy. And third time pays for all, 
There are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamt of in your philosophy. Well, that's about all for tonight. Thanks for watching. Please hit like. Please hit subscribe. Please share with family and friends. Please leave a comment below and let me know what you think and whether you have any questions or suggestions for the show. And now that I have completed the entire first act of Hamlet, I do not feel ashamed to ask you to donate to the show if you have the means and the inclination. All you have to do is go to brushupyourshakespeare.org, that's O-R-G, brushupyourshakespeare.org, and click the donate button. If you can make a monthly recurring donation of $5, that is great. If you can donate $10 or $20 a month, so much the better. Or you can make a one-time donation if that suits you. Whatever you can afford. Your contributions will keep Brush Up Your Shakespeare coming to you on a weekly basis. And so now, please join us next time when we start Act 2, Scene 1 of Hamlet. I look forward to seeing you then.